The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the information you need to get on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meets tomorrow evening at the usual location, the Community Action Agency at the corner of Seymour and Reading. Uh, got a busy meeting tomorrow night at six o'clock. We actually have two simultaneous discussions going on, one for beginning investors and one for more advanced investors. The beginning investor session is about how to find and recognize great deals. The advanced session is about why I invest in hideous, ugly properties that no one else would want with Drew White. Then at the main meeting at 7.30, we've got Sergeant Rick Snow from the Hamilton County Sheriff's Office discussing the tax lien and tax deed process in uh, the state of Ohio. Uh, Sergeant Snow is in charge of the whole foreclosure division, I understand, down at the sheriff's office, and he's going to help us understand sheriff sales in general, and particularly why it is that some properties in our counties now go to tax deed sale, while some go to tax lien sale. That meeting is, as always, open to everyone. You can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. My guest today is Drew White, who is a 20 plus year veteran of the real estate business, a wholesaler full time, and also something of a, at least regionally known, expert in the topic of negotiation. He is the author of a home study course entitled Mr. Drew's Guide to Negotiation for the Real Estate Investor. And he's here today to talk to us about the top 10 mistakes you may be making in real estate negotiation. Mr. Drew, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Uh, thank you, Vina. It's a pleasure to be here. Regionally known expert. Well, I didn't want to say nationally known because that, like, well, you are now. Uh, well, really what I was looking for was internationally acclaimed. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I think Mike can go oh. on to online and find out if we actually have any listeners listening to us right now from out of the country because then I will admit, and then I will acclaim Mr. Drew. <laughs> And then I will admit that he is internationally acclaimed okay. at that point. Um, so uh, we have a rather ambitious uh, plan here, which is to talk about the top 10 things that you see 
students and new investors doing over and over and over again that is keeping them from being the comfortable and successful negotiator that they should be in the real estate business. I mean, negotiation mm-hmm. is just something that, you know, in the real estate business, you are going to do it, <laughs> like, oh. it like it or not. Absolutely. And uh, I know that you have you have a bit of impatience with the fact that over the course of the past uh, 10 years or so, as you've been uh, involved in training people, that it's the same things over and over and over and over again. So <laughs> let's... Uh, Let's let's start the list because I'm not sure if we're going to get through ten. I I know I understand, and that's that's always the case. First, uh, we have just a few seconds of of housekeeping to do. Um, Mr. Mark M- Mike Martini, I assume you're at the mission control desk there. Yes, I am, sir. Okay, and do you have the delay button all warmed yes, up for me? Yes, yes, I do. It's, <laughs> this is called the Drew button. <laughs> I just wanted to wanted to know how he- heavily I was going to have to edit myself. <laughs> But if you're there, you know, I'll I'll just let the profanities fly. Um, okay, so, Ed, I'm sorry about that. I I just tickle myself. Um, what? Uh, so, how do you want to start? Well, let's start with your number one thing that uh, uh, you 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 have actually I know observed people doing as you watch them negotiate typically on the phone and that is skipping right past the whole part about being nice to the person you're talking to sure the the problem the number one thing on my list uh that investors screw up is not building rapport with their counterpart um now throughout this list i'm generally going to speak as if we were talking to a seller because that's a lot of what i do um but you know use the seller and buyer or tenant or contractor or whatever kind of interchangeably as you're listening. Um, but they, you're right, a lot of them skip right over that whole rapport building session. Remember, you're trying to actually start a relationship here with, with your counterpart, with your seller. Um, they, they most commonly don't know you from Adam, and you're asking them to trust you you're asking them to reveal personal information about themselves. You're asking them to, uh, to some extent, put their, uh, some of their financial future in your hands. So they have to get to know you a little bit. You want to be the kind of person that they are comfortable dealing with. So you have to go through these steps if you're going to try to be real successful with this. A conversation that Vina and I overheard, this is going back some years, but it still makes a good point, with a fellow who um, was an active full-time real estate investor. He answered his phone. I, I forget why we were all around each other, but he answered his phone, and his side of the conversation went largely like this. Um, yeah, I sent that letter. Okay, yeah, yeah. And what did she die? okay, and what are you looking to get out of the property? And Vina and I kind of looked at each other completely appalled. You know, someone just died. <laughs> and his commentary on that was absolutely nothing. You know, what did she die? All right, and what are you looking to get out of it? You know, I mean, I'm not saying you have to be, you know, the, <laughs> the utter that dispenses the milk of kindness or something. <laughs> But at least try to be a human being about it. Well, now let me let me um, 
let me sort of play devil's advocate with no. the, with with the rapport building thing because I think what, what a lot of people when they hear he'll hear build rapport that that's sort of a buzzword anymore, and what they're picturing happening is that you are trying to schmooze a seller into giving you his house that it's that it's oily and fake and. Of course. Hey, I, buddy, I, you're so smart for making this decision to 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 do this. So, uh, talk a little bit about that. What that report thing really means? Okay. Well, often while I'm talking to a seller on the phone, I'm twirling my mustachios, <laughs> you know, and and rubbing my hands together. Um, no, what, basically, what it means is well, the, okay, the, to define rapport a little bit, it's it's the feeling of affinity that you create with another person. Right. So when I'm trying to build rapport with with a seller, I'm trying to be the kind of person that they are comfortable talking to. You know, I am listening, not just listening like passively, like I'm waiting to speak, but I'm trying to actively listen to them and encourage them to tell me their situation. Um, if they are um, someone who is who wants to kind of wander around and give me the backstory, I try to be patient with that, and I try to hear the backstory. If they're a let's just get to the numbers person, you know, then fine. I'm I'm going to be that way as well. Um, so what what I'm trying to do is show them what they're comfortable dealing with, right? So not trying to use car sales them and them into. Um, doing something that they shouldn't be doing or don't want to be doing, but rather making them feel comfortable enough to reveal the answer to questions that are strange coming from a stranger, like, how much do you owe on your house, and what's your bottom dollar, and why are you selling? Well, you know, that's a very good point, because the 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 idea behind the rapport building is not that I am then going to be able to, you know, do some Jedi mind trick into getting them to sign a contract. Really, the 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 bare bones point of the rapport building is to get them comfortable giving me information. You know, the the whole point of sort of the pre-negotiation is I have to know what the seller wants and what the seller needs and often what the difference between those two things are, even though in all likelihood they themselves have not thought that through. You know, all they know is I, I want or need to sell this house, and I hope to get as much money for it as possible. And they haven't gone through that process of, okay, what would it really take to make this a good situation for me or an ideal situation or what's barely acceptable? They haven't been that brutally honest with themselves. So there's this whole interview process that one goes through so you can help them, if you will. Uh, you need to gather data from them so you can make an intelligent offer that, of course, has to suit you yourself, but also has a shot of meeting their needs. Very good. Uh, we need to take a quick break, but I hope you listeners have your fingers on a keyboard somewhere because Mr. Drew has been good enough to offer for Real Life Real Estate listeners a an entire special report on the topic of how to build rapport with folks when you are negotiating. The way you get that report is you go to askvina.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A. Right at the top of the screen, you will see something that says, here's the link to download the free negotiation 
chapter. Click that link, fill out your information, and that report is yours just for being smart enough to listen to Real Life Real Estate. You can also give us a call today with any of your questions at 877-772-9658 or send us an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Drew White, a.k.a. Mr. Drew. And uh, we're talking about the top 10 negotiation mistakes that real estate investors make. And, and don't think, by the way, that this is only for you if you're a beginner, because... Uh, that conversation that we had with or listened to with that fella who uh, did the whole, oh, it's in a state, great, what do you want, uh, thing was a person who actually had been in real estate at that point for probably 10 or 15 years and done bunches of deals. It does sort of beg the question, how does someone do bunches of deals when they talk to people like that? And the answer is, well, they probably do bunches more if... They just built a little bit of rapport. Again, you can get a uh, full chapter from Drew's uh, home study course on building rapport by going to askmina.com and clicking the uh, download your chapter button at the top, and uh, you will be asked to fill out some information, and then you'll be sent a link to download that report. So uh, that is a gift for real life real estate listeners from Mr. Drew and moving on on our top 10 list of mistakes that real estate investors make in negotiation. Uh, your number two one here, Mr. Drew, is pretty basic and that is not getting the education to know what you're negotiating. Well, sure. And that's, that's something that we see all the time is that someone you know, listens to a 45 or 90 minute presentation on a certain strategy and based on, you know, the shininess of that particular object, they say, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, they they run out and try to put it into effect. And I'm sorry, but that's just not enough education about any particular strategy to be able to make an intelligent decision about it. If you have if you decide, okay, I want to lease option properties rather than rent them because whatever, here are the advantages of that, but you don't actually have any significant education in in that strategy, then how, how do you recognize a good deal for that strategy when you see it? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how do you know what direction to take the negotiation? Mm-hmm. A very important part of any uh, negotiation and one that uh, new investors sometimes have a difficult time getting around to actually doing is naming a number. <laughs> this is this is what I can pay you. And unless you understand what the basic numbers are of your strategy, you know, what, uh, what, what, what is the after repair value? What are the repair costs? What kind of profit should I be making from this deal? What sort of monthly payment do I need to be making so that I can make cash flow by running that property out? It's really, really hard to, uh, to come up with the right number. Now, it's not hard to negotiate. I've seen people do that. I've seen people negotiate themselves really bad deals. Yeah, and, and, and what it might even be a good deal for someone else. You know, we, we had it come up once. Uh, I forget who 
to the, well, not that I would name their name anyway, so it doesn't really matter that I forget who it was from, but they they had done this very thing. This is what I had in mind. They decided they wanted to do lease options. Um, they didn't have the cash to go out and buy a property and, you know, then lease option it to an end user. So they thought to themselves, well, I'll, I'll have to negotiate terms on it, right? And, and that makes some sense on the face of it. Um, so what they did is they negotiated a, a reasonable purchase price on, on a property with the seller taking terms for six months. And I don't know what they expected to have happen, <laughs> you know, that, that they would offer it as a lease option and, and the tenant buyer would turn around and execute, you know, and fulfill the, the option, you know, four months later or something like that. Because if, if they had gotten some real education about lease options, they would understand that that's not how it works most commonly, you know, overwhelmingly most commonly. So they had negotiated a, a deal that was essentially useless to them. You know, and it, and it was a decent negotiation for what it was. It maybe wasn't a good enough deal to even be a cash deal, but as a as a no or low money down deal with with some financing attached, it was okay. But it needed to be for five years, not six months. But you know, all they knew was, look, I negotiated this 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 great deal because it's only costing me five hundred dollars out of pocket, and the seller's taking payments. <laughs> so again, having that basic education in place so that you're sure that when you do get around to making an offer, it is an intelligent offer is Drew's number two thing that uh, people don't do. And that's a mistake. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. You can send questions in here to the studio at 877-772-9658 or by going to askvina.com. That's not, a, that's not an email address. You can't put it in your browser. You have to go to the website, askvina.com. There's a button there that says... Ask a question and uh, fill that out, fill that form out, hit send, and we will get it here in the studio. Uh, I have a question here from uh, Pete, who actually sent it in three hours before the show. I guess he was so excited about you being on. He says, uh, does Drew use the proverbial Ron Legrand question when talking with sellers? If I can, if I pay all cash and close quick, what's the least you take? And then the follow-up of, is that the best you can do? I've stopped asking sellers that question. All that matters is what I can pay. I have a maximum I can pay regardless of what they want. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, let me say that question is a lot older than Ron Legrand. <laughs> you know, Ron Legrand, old though he may be. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that question stretches back to you know the, through the mists of time, um, but uh, I yeah I and and I certainly understand that point. Uh, in fact, I think something like that is on my list somewhere, um, where where we talk about that kind of mentality about it. It doesn't matter so much what they're asking. What matters is what you can pay, and that's not you know. A hundred percent true, but it's it's kind of a useful fiction, if you will. Um, but I think you still have to get from A to B, you know. And if you just walk in the door and say, "I don't want to hear it. This is what I can pay," <laughs> you know, take it or leave it. That's not really part of a dialogue, you know. And that's what you're trying to establish here. So yes, you know, that's a process that I go through. My first question normally is, what do you feel like you have to get to get out of this with your skin intact? And then, you know, I proceed to see what's underneath the skin, 
you know, how much how much gift there is there. Um, but one of one of the most important things that you can do. Well, I, I was going to say in a negotiation, but really in any human interaction, is your counterpart wants to feel like they are being heard, like someone's listening to them. Um, so I think just sort of ignoring the idea that they have their own starting place as well, this sort of doesn't do any service in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I, I start with the question about basically what are you looking for? Then, okay, that's what you're looking for. What can you really take? And then, you know, there are a couple more pushes that we can kind of make on that to move them off what they may even feel is their bottom dollar, or at least to try to get them flexible about that again. Um, but, because at, but at I some point, you do just have to tell them what you can pay. Ultimately, you can't, yeah. You can't keep trying to get them to go down and down and down and down and down until they get to your dollar. Um, and, uh, and, and Pete, I would be curious to know how you vet your sellers, if not by starting out with finding out what they want, because it's... Um, Sounds like a time waster, doesn't it? Well, I, I'm sure he, I'm sure he has a system for it, but uh, that's that's one of the that's one of the questions that that I do ask up front. Although I do ask it as not not well, you know what's the least you could take for all cash in a quick closing, but rather what do you have to get for this property to feel like you didn't get ripped off? Because <laughs> that's a, putting putting the question a little more strongly. And if they if they say something like, well, I don't, I don't I don't know what I want. I mean, you wrote to me, I'll, you know, everything's for sale for a price. I mean, I guess if I get top price for it, well, it's not a conversation I need to be in for very much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if you, Pete, if you just jump straight to, oh, here's what I can pay, and let them sort themselves out. <laughs> but uh, I'd be interested to know that. A uh, question here from Gianfranco in Southern California. Uh, can you please ask your guest, Mr. Drew, how does someone just starting out get over the fear of not knowing what to say when sitting in front of a seller? What if I say the wrong thing and either torpedo an out-of-this-world deal or get myself into a legal or financial mess? <laughs> That's, um, well, sure, if you say the wrong thing in the conversation for the seller, they, they can call the federals, you know, the federales, and they come and arrest you and throw you in Gitmo. And, uh, you know, where you're held, I guess, indefinitely. <laughs> yeah, sarca- sarcasm works very, very well over the radio, Mr. Drew, so you just well, keep doing that. Okay. Because <laughs> everybody can see your facial expressions. And- well, I, uh, hopefully, <laughs> you know, if they're not getting me, you know, then the world's been punishing them their whole lives anyway. Um, okay, well, I'll try to avoid it because you asked so nicely. Um, the, oh, Okay, everyone's terrified that they're going to say the wrong thing and they're going to blow the home run deal, right? Or, or and some people are, are afraid that they're somehow going to going to get themselves in in hot water or uh, somehow talk themselves into a bad deal. There is no substitute for actually practice in the field. You can read about negotiation. You can read about it exhaustively. You can. Uh, you know, walk it through in the mirror to yourself. You can practice your lines, but there is absolutely no substitute for actually being in the field and trying it out. And yes, you're going to, you're, I'm sorry, I almost said an objectionable word again. You're going to mess up. And, and that's part of the business. Um, let me, okay, so in real estate investing, 
this is going to sound a little harsh, but here's, here's sort of the unbiased truth. Here's the raw truth. Any seller that you're talking to, any, any particular randomly picked out seller, is probably not got a deal for you anyway. Any particular deal that you are just starting to work on statistically is probably not going anywhere. It's the, the analogy I like to make is that it's kind of like being a hitter in baseball. You can be absolutely the best in the world, you know, the best in history, and nearly two-thirds of the time you're not getting anywhere. You're not getting on base. You know, you're striking out or popping out or whatever. Um, and it is that kind of numbers game. So don't get all obsessed with, I dare not speak to anyone because I might say something wrong and blow what could have been an astronomical deal. One, of course, if you never speak to anyone, if you never take the chance, then that astronomical deals never happen in any way. And two, if you blow it, and you will from time to time, you know, even I misread a seller sometimes, you know, and if we have time for it, I'll tell an very embarrassing story about myself about that. Um, but sure, in the beginning, you're going to blow it a little more often. So what? You know, it, big deal. And it, in the long run, it's not going to matter. You just write it off as a practice session. You learn from your mistakes and you move on. And to address your fear of, I'm going to say the wrong thing and get myself in some kind of hot water, you know, I, I, I guess what, and, and help me here a little bit, Vina, do you think that what he's worried about is I'm going to wind up in a bad deal? No, he seems to be worried about that he's either going to blow the deal or somehow... Get sued? Go to jail? Something, yes. Mess, yeah. End up in a mess of trouble. Okay, well, I mean... There, there are some basic things that you have to avoid. I feel like I'm tiptoeing through a landmine. You know, you can't say to the guy, "Well, all you Irish are drunks anyway, so what's it matter to you?" You know, there, there are some basic, you know, things that that shouldn't be on the table to begin with. But outside of that, you know, I, I don't really know how much danger there is. You know, it's not like someone can take you to court because they were offended by your low offer. Well, yes, let me let me let me try and um I don't know, simplify this a little bit. Gianfranco, the negotiation is not the same thing as the contracts. If you can agree on a price and terms, you can have an attorney sit down and make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed legally. Okay? The negotiation is just are we basically on the same page about what I'm going to pay you and how? In in terms of blowing the world's best deal, um, the world's best deal is going to come from a very motivated seller and a very a diff a negotiation with a very motivated seller is not that difficult. You are not going to blow it. And even if you do, if you, if you blow one and you walk away and you say, all right, what went wrong there and how can I do it differently next time? There's more motivated sellers out there than that. So don't worry yeah. so much. Okay. Well, good point. I mean, good point about, you know, you're not, you're not really, you know, in, in any kind of, um, you know, uh, restricted environment until you get to written contract anyway. All we're trying to do in the spoken part of this is kind of come to a meeting of the minds, and then we're going to codify it all in writing later. Um, but, you know, so that 
that was that was well said. And a truly motivated seller, a very motivated seller, they're they're incredibly forgiving about things. And I I don't mean like you know uh, forgiving like you apologize and they forgive you. I mean if it turns out that this has to be done way X instead of way Y, and you say, hey, look, you know, here are the circumstances, and we have to do this way X instead of way Y, they're going to be flexible about that. Very good. We need to take a quick break. If you have any negotiation questions for Mr. Drew, you can call him in to 877-772-9658 or go to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mr. Drew, and we're talking about top mistakes that real estate investors make in the negotiation process, mistakes that keep you from being as successful as that as you'd like to be, and I think most importantly, probably as comfortable with that as you would like to be. Uh, Jean-Franco asked a question a little while ago about how to avoid messing up. The biggest way to mess up is just n- don't don't negotiate and don't make offers. That, that'll, that's a surefire way to never make a deal in real estate investing. Mr. Drew has um, kindly offered a special report on how to build rapport to real-life real estate listeners. To get that, you just go to askvina.com, click the button at the top and uh, it will ask you for some information and then send you a confirmation email because we can't just, you know, we can't let all your friends go in and subscribe you for this without knowing that it was in fact yours. And then when you confirm that subscription, it'll send you a fairly lengthy and detailed chapter about how to, um, how to build rapport with sellers, which is the number one mistake that folks make is not doing that in the first place. Uh, so, Mr. Drew, let's... Uh, well, wait a second. Before before we move on, I think, I think you're dealing yourself short a little bit of credit there, because you keep saying, you know, Mr. Drew kindly offered, Mr. Drew kindly offered, you know, this chapter of his book, and, you know, I think your listeners and fans should know how much you're looking out for them, because... Here's the translation. When Vina says, I kindly offered, what she means is she told me what was going to happen. <laughs> and said, pick out a chapter that we're going to be offering to people. <laughs> I hope you're having a good time because we have like 10 minutes left in the program. We are on number two I, I'm having of your top time. 10 mistakes, negotiation mistakes mm-hmm. that people make. Um, sure. so, well, we'll just go an extra hour. Mike's down with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and Mike can have a good time next <laughs> next hour. Uh, so let's talk about, um, the, and this is this is uh, sort of a little bit along the lines of uh, one of the questions that we already received. Uh, the idea of the negotiation is the thing instead of the objective negotiate of the negotiation is the thing, and I think this most most often comes out when someone comes up at a RIA meeting and says, I made my first deal. Oh, good. Is it a great deal? Yeah, they were asking 70 and I got it for 35. Well, what's it worth? I, well, they were asking 70. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a, that's a very common thing. People get obsessed with, I only paid this percentage of asking price when really, I mean, okay, I'll, uh, you know, I'll sell you, you know, some 
doggy little rental that I own in, in a not very nice part of the world, and I'll go ahead and list it for a million. You know, and I'll let you beat me down to 50% of that, you know, and, and you can have it. This is another reason that you should understand your own strategy, that you should have some goals in mind, you know, about what a good deal looks like and, and what you're trying to achieve before you enter the negotiation, and then kind of keep your eye on the prize. You know, it, it doesn't matter if, if a seller comes to us with, or comes to me with the right number. I'll pay them what they're asking. If that's the right number, you know, sure, I've got no problem with that. Um, don't get so caught up in the mechanics of this. It's not your job to beat the other guy down. It is your job to try to get to your number. And another common thing that we see that you and I were talking about just before the show is people coming up, and particularly about like uh, bank-owned real estate, REOs as we call them, um, they say, what percentage of asking price do you pay? Well, that's not the right thinking at all. You know, my number is my number. It doesn't matter, you know, what they're asking. Now, when you're dealing with a private seller, sure, it matters because are you going to deal with them? Are they motivated? Then it all goes to informing you about their state of mind uh, in the negotiation. When you're dealing with a you know MLS-listed bank-owned property, there's not a lot of communication happening there. Um, and when uh, I I would uh, occasionally do uh, what we call the property tour boot camp, which is we take people out and show them houses and how to inspect them and whatever. Um, and one of the things that I would do on the listed property that we were seeing is before I handed out copies of all this to all the students, I would actually redact the asking price from the MLS sheet. And they would say, wait, why is that gone? And I'd say, because it doesn't matter. You know, our offers are offer, and we shouldn't be influenced by what they were asking. You know, we arrive at the number that we can pay, and if we can get there, fine. If we can't, okay. But people are too easily influenced by the asking price. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. I'm okay. <laughs> it sounded like you stopped in mid-sentence there. Nope, nope, nope. All right. Um, yeah. I'm just real conscious of the time now. So, so like, shut up and move on. <laughs> so just uh, just just for the for the folks who are uh, looking to get the report that you've provided to them at askmina.com about um, rapport, the report about rapport. Uh, we may be having a little bit of problem with the autoresponder, so please be patient. Like, what kind of problem? With that. We're not going to sit here and discuss it on the air. We will just fix it and get it to people. Okay. Well, let me <laughs> let me just say that this is not an instant autoresponder. Yes, I, I understand. There is a confirmation email that you will receive that you have to click the button. So if you give a fake email address, you're never going to get it. Yes. Uh, but uh, even beyond that, there I, I've gotten then two emails sh- from people saying that uh, they're having trouble downloading it. But we will, if you can go ahead and go there, fill out your information. We will make sure that you get it. Uh, yeah. If it doesn't come right away, we'll make sure you get it in the next 24 hours. Uh, so next mistake that folks make in, uh, in negotiation is, and this is, this is a, this is a big one. In fact, this we maybe should have started with this one because this may be the most common one is thinking for your seller. In other words, thinking, oh, well, 
so this person is in this position and therefore they are going to want this. Why is that a problem? Well, because you know, you don't know that much about the seller and and you're already predetermining what they're willing to accept or what they're willing to consider. So you're limiting your own options rather severely. So people do this all the time. They they predict what the other person is going to say or what the other person is willing to take. Um, or the terms that they're willing to take, or what have you, and then they limit themselves. They're limiting their own options and saying, well, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. Maybe I can come up with some tortured way to make this done, to, to get this done. When the answer is, you know, make the offer, always make the offer, and then see what they say. And even if you are morally certain that the offer isn't going anywhere, their reaction will give you more information than you had before, which is always useful. And a certain percentage of the time, hey, it's going to pay off. Um, We recently had a situation where uh, a seller owed, I don't remember the exact number, something like 43,000 on a property that we wanted to offer in the low 20s for and we're just like man how is how is this going to work you know okay well let's see though you know let's let's explain the situation let's let's man up and say hey this is what we want to pay and as it turns out this wasn't a woman who was who was desperate or bleeding or anything like that she's or behind she's, in payments or yeah she, she, she's or smart. had a super duper ugly property yeah or... she she's smart in making an informed decision she said well if that's the the most you can pay how about if i bring the other twenty thousand dollars to the closing and she was in a position to do that and it was worth it to her and she no one was holding a gun to her head either literally or, you know, through circumstance, it was worth it to her to finally be rid of this thing, to do it this way. Now, that's not as common as dirt, <laughs> you know, but let let them make their own decision. It's not, it's not up to you, you know, either as a business practice or, frankly, you know, morally for you to decide what's going to be best for the seller. Give them as many options as you can, and but your first option that you should give them is what you're trying to achieve, is your ideal situation, and then let them make their own decision, just like they were, you know, a competent adult. And this one is particularly insidious because often this thinking for the seller starts before the seller ever opens their mouth. It it it, it happens. You know, the, all all the time I see people say, well, I didn't make that offer because I knew the seller wouldn't take it. Or I, I knew that because the property was in a state and they were there were 11 heirs that there was no way they would take payments. And uh, so 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 the suggestion is never even made that we do it this way. And 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 in fact, people often often think, well, from from what I've heard, sellers of this category want this. So I'm going to proceed as if that's what they want <laughs> as opposed to asking them. Sure. <laughs> what they want. Yeah, I know the the woman bringing all that money to the closing is kind of a shocking example, you know, and, it, and it's meant to be. But this this holds true in in a bunch of different things. You know, it you it is your job to find out what the seller's wants and needs are. It is not your job to try to predict what the sellers and needs are. And you're doing them a disservice, frankly, because you don't know every detail of their circumstances, and no one knows better than they. We have time for one more. 
Okay. I'm not even going to say what number this is because we didn't get anywhere <laughs> close to ten. But th- 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 this is a this is a big one. I know that this this frustrates you a lot when oh, yeah. you're working with your coaching students, is when they say, but apparently this doesn't work where I live because I've talked to 35 different people and they all want too much for their property. What, what's, what's that all about? Well, what that amounts to is that, uh, they think that if they talk to, if they do, if they do enough marketing and they talk to enough sellers, that they're going to get a seller on the line who says, well, the property's worth X and I'm willing to take, you know, 40% of X um, just because I like the sound of your voice. So they're kind of hunting for that magic seller, you know, who they may have even heard of, you know, because when they're at a seminar or something and the speaker's talking in the front of the room, yeah, they're telling the home run stories. Let me give you a hint. Most of them... Um, and well, and 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 that seller will appear once out of every, I don't know, two hundred sellers that that you talk to. But sure, but, to, but that's no way to run a railroad. But to say, you know? but to say, well, e- everybody I talk to wants full price. Well, of course, so do I. <laughs> you know, I want too much for everything I own. Am I willing to accept less? Sure, in in most circumstances, you know, but. If you ask me what I want, yeah, I want I want a zillion dollars for everything. Um, and here's here's kind of the truism that, in fact, I think I first heard from you um, that that great deals are made; they are not found. So when you ask the seller, you know, what do you want for the property? Sure, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna trot out you know, the biggest number that they can justify to themselves. And then you have to move them off that mark, which is why I don't open the conversation by asking them what they want. I ask them what they feel like they can take and not be getting skinned. You know, so these uh, these guys are hoping that if they just sift enough sand, they're going to, you know, come across this this easy peasy home run deal mm-hmm. and yeah if you sift enough sand it's going to happen but it's not enough to make a living on and there's and there, and there's two ways of dropping out of the negotiation too early one is just not to name a number back mm-hmm. to a seller who's naming one too high and the other one is to take no for the for an answer on the first time around well sure i want i want 143 well gosh i'm i'm not sure i could pay more than about mm, 119 oh well pff, then forget it yeah, I I won't take that. Well, okay, then I guess we're done. Wait, you're done? <laughs> you know, good heavens. How did you ever get anywhere? You know, that that's not done. You know, they, in fact there are there are specific techniques for for getting past that kind of thing, but you know, e- even at its most basic level, if you say, "Well, I think I can pay what whatever you said 115," um and they say, "No, invite a counteroffer. Continue the conversation." You know, and you know, try to try to get some more traction somewhere else. What are you going to do if you can't get one forty three? Uh, how soon? How soon do you need to sell it for one forty three? And what happens if it hasn't sold by then? Or what happens when it doesn't sell for that? And if I if I if I could come up to one forty three, could you take that in payments? I mean, there's all there's all kinds of places to go from no other than okay, bye. <laughs> so. yep. And and I I know you hear it all the time from your coaching students, and and I do as well. And they go, well, no, I, I, even, I even got brave and I made the offer. 
And they said, no. Well, what happened then? Well, then we hung up. Wait a minute, what? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, we are out of time for our top 10 list. So we are, yes, um, just just turn him off, Mike. He's going to keep talking (laughs) if we don't. Uh, So if you'd like to get uh, Mr. Drew's report that he's offering on how to build rapport, go to askvina.com, click the Get Your Free Chapter button. He will, uh, we will get that uh, sent to you sometime in the next 24 hours after you've confirmed that you ordered it. Don't forget the Rio of Cincinnati meeting tomorrow night. Drew is the speaker at the advanced early meeting at 6 o'clock on why I buy property so ugly you would not touch them. Or you can choose the advanced meeting on how to find great deals. Main meeting is about how sheriff sales and tax lien sales work in the state of Ohio. We will be back next week for more information with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <music>